Howdy folks, Josh King here. Welcome to Podcast Talks, where we look to an old book to help us live as new men. Podcast Talks is a ministry of Meridian Church. That ain't you. Stick around. Glad you're here. Today's reading comes from the pen of John Bunyan. Bunyan is most famous for his classic, The Pilgrim's Progress. But today I want to read from his autobiographical work, Grace Abounding to the Chiefest of Sinners. I say autobiographical, but it's not strictly an autobiography like we may think of. It's not simply an account of his life. It's a telling of his conversion. It involves a lot of theological reflection. It it's, uh, it's, belongs to this unique genre of works alongside Augustine's Confessions or John Newton's uh, Authentic Narrative or Lewis's Surprise by Joy. But with Bunyan, as you're reading this account that's very much concerned about his conversion, you never know when he's converted, so much as you know that he is converted. Life has happened somewhere along the way, but you're not exactly sure when. And then, though he has life, you see him agonizing for assurance of that life. And your heart journeys up and down with him in this. And I want to share with you one of the brightest moments. I'll be reading from The Collected Works, Volume 1, pages 35 and 36. But one day, as I was passing in the field, and that too with some dashes on my conscience, fearing lest yet all was not right, suddenly this sentence fell upon my soul, Thy righteousness is in heaven. And methought with all I saw, with the eyes of my soul, Jesus Christ at God's right hand, there I say is my righteousness, so that wherever I was or whatever I was a-doing, God could not say of me, He wants my righteousness, for that was just before Him. I also saw moreover that it was not my good frame of heart that made my righteousness better, nor yet my bad frame that made my righteousness worse. For my righteousness was Jesus Christ himself, the same yesterday and today and forever. Now did my chains fall off my legs indeed. I was loosed from my affliction and irons. My temptations also fled away, so that from that time, those dreadful scriptures of God left off to trouble me. Now went I also home rejoicing for the grace and love of God. So when I came home, I looked to see if I could find that sentence, Thy righteousness is in heaven, but could not find such a saying. Wherefore my heart began to sink again. Only that was brought to my remembrance. He, of God, is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. By this word I saw the other sentence true. For by this scripture I saw that the man, Christ Jesus, as he is distinct from us, is touching his bodily presence, so he is our righteousness and sanctification before God. Here, therefore, I lived for some time very sweetly at peace with God through Christ. Oh, methought, Christ, Christ, there was nothing but Christ that was before my eyes. 
I was not now only looking for looking upon this and other benefits of Christ apart as of his blood, burial, or resurrection, but considered him as a whole Christ, and he in whom all these and all other his virtues, relations, offices, and operations meet met together, and that as he sat on the right hand of God in heaven, it was glorious to me to see his exaltation and the worth and prevalency of all his benefits, and that because of this, now I could look from myself to him, and should reckon that all those graces of God that now were green in me, were yet but like those cracked groats and fourpence halfpennies that rich men carry in their purses, when their gold is in their trunks at home. Oh, I saw my gold was in my trunk at home, in Christ my Lord and Savior. Now Christ was my all, all my wisdom, all my righteousness, all my sanctification, and all my redemption. There is nothing more soul-troubling than being troubled about one's soul. And if that's you, my, my counsel would likely be to read two things. Read 1 John and consider then, in a secondary way, reading Grace Abounding to the Chiefest of Sinners. As to the former... John said, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life, 1 John 5.13. And so my reasons for having you read 1 John, I think, are clear. But why read Bunyan's grace abounding? Wouldn't that particular saint's agony of soul only perhaps cause you more grief to think Bunyan wrestled with his assurance? Who am I to presume upon my salvation then? Well, one critical takeaway is that you will search Bunyan in vain, looking for a particular day, a a moment, or experience of conversion. And what becomes clear as you read is not when Bunyan was converted, but that he is converted. The scriptures nowhere call for you to pinpoint a date and experience, and far less to look for a decisive action that you took as the basis or grounds upon which you should find assurance. John Murray wrote that for some, conversion is like the gentle dawn of a day. One doesn't know exactly when dark became light, but they simply know that it has happened. Perhaps we should amend this, that for some, the the knowledge of their conversion happens as a ray of light occasionally piercing a a stormy sky. We can't be certain when that light began to shine, and there are times when the storm is such that we doubt that there is any day. It, it seems as though it's night. But for Bunyan, eventually the, the clouds part, the sky clears, and the sun proves to have been there. Know that great saints have wrestled in agony concerning their own souls, and and see where assurance came for Bunyan. It came for him again and again in this way. Whenever he's concerned about his soul, this, this sentence comes 
to him, as it were, this thought, your righteousness is in heaven. But that's not good enough. He, 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 he begins to take some comfort, but what is critical is, is, is this thought scriptural? And he searches the scriptures, and there he finds comfort. The place where assurance grows, the, the place to go for your assurance to go is to the scriptures. First John will provide you a series of tests for fruits to look for in your life, but whenever you're looking at those, you're looking at them really with the word. In Grace Abounding, though, you see, I believe, a different way that the Scriptures work concerning our assurance. Romans 8.16 says that the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. How does the Spirit bear witness? The same way He always does, by illuminating the Word, the very Word He once inspired. He, he, he bears witness by illuminating the Word that he once inspired. Not fresh revelation, direct revelation, but taking that revelation that he's given to his church and illuminating it. It's as the Spirit shows us Christ in the Word that our assurance grows, or it's as he shows us Christ in us by the Word, shows us the fruits of his work in us by the Word that our assurance grows. Too often, whenever we, we're desperate for assurance concerning our souls, we look within at ourselves, or we look within for the Spirit to deal directly with us. Instead, we should look outside of ourselves. We should, we should see ourselves as illuminated by the Word. And more than that, it's chiefly whenever we fix our eyes upon Christ as revealed to us in the Holy Word of God, that assurance really comes. Because assurance is simply faith grown up. Not yet perfected, but faith grown up, healthy, living, thriving. And faith comes not by looking to yourself, but looking to Christ, who is the sinner's righteousness as revealed in the scriptures. Saints, I hope that with this you see that assurance is not something to assume or take for granted. Assurance is not a presumption worked up from within. It is a gift given from above. It's a gift to cherish and to nourish. And so look to Christ. Look to Him in the Word. Look to Him with earnestness, pleading that the Spirit teach you of Christ from the Scriptures and sanctify you, increasing your faith. Meridian Church, I love you. Grace and peace.